what it means to know God as your heavenly father, as your heavenly father. Uh, you know, the amazing thing is we all have uh, different preconceptions of what a father is like. Uh, we have kind of a mixed mash of things we pick up from culture, our own personal experiences, things that we wish happen, not happen. We can all have sort of a, a certain picture, idea that kind of, whether intentionally or not, gets formed in our heads of what a father is like and what a father is all about. But the amazing and most kind of profound thing that can happen to us is when we actually come to understand that that we have a heavenly father. And, and in fact, one of the challenges is sometimes we want to take our understandings of an earthly father and we almost want to project those to our heavenly father. But when in fact, uh, it needs to work the other way around. We need to understand who our heavenly father is if we're ever going to understand uh, what an earthly father is even all about. And so this morning, we're going to just reflect on this reality. I don't know if you've ever wrapped it. This is an incredibly profound reality that every human being everywhere can actually know that they have a heavenly father. That the creator of this universe does not relate to us as someone far off and distant or just an idea or concept, but that actually wants us to know him as father. And so we're going to look a little bit today is how, how do we actually recognize the voice of our Heavenly Father? How do we actually recognize who our Heavenly Father is in our lives? Because it is one of the most life-giving, flourishing, uh, it, you know, things that brings flourishing to our lives that could ever happen to actually know Him as our Heavenly Father. We're going to start off by taking a, a look at a little snapshot of God the Father speaking to Jesus the Son. And we're going to look at you know, what God says to him, what the Father says. In the whole New Testament, there's only about two occasions, really, where the, the Father kind of speaks, you know, kind of real clear, loud for everyone to hear. And I think it's amazing when you think, you know, if, if in the whole of New Testament, you sort of hear his voice really about two times, what is it that he longs to say and speak? And what does it show us about who he is? So we're going to start off at this picture. Uh, it comes from Mark chapter 1. And Jesus has just been baptized. It's at his baptism. And the Father is going to speak. And it says, this is what he says. Mark 1.11, it says, A voice came from heaven, said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well well pleased. God the Father speaking to Jesus for all the world to hear to be recorded for us through the centuries. This is the voice of, the, of our Heavenly Father to Jesus. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now I think it's kind of uh, uh, in incredible that we can listen in on this because to know God as our Heavenly Father, let's be honest, it's difficult. You know, we can't see him. We don't feel, you know, it's not the same as a relationship with another human right in front of us. But it's almost like in this moment we get to see exactly how he speaks. And I think it shows us something about how he longs to speak into each of our lives. Do you know, it, 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 as we listen in on this, there's, there's a few things we see about God the Father and how he speaks. And, and it shows us about who his character is. And the first thing this shows us about who your and my heavenly father is, is that he is an identity giver. That when God the Father speaks, uh, one of the things he speaks to give is identity. 
He speaks to his son. There's all kinds of things that could happen in this moment. Jesus has not yet kind of gone into his public ministry. But a voice comes from heaven and the first thing he says is, you are my son. He establishes very clearly Jesus' identity. Because said, this is the Messiah, the Savior, the, the, the crucified. But he says, you are my son. That's who you are. Do you know something when... God the Father, to know him as Heavenly Father, do you know that one of the things he longs to speak into each of our lives is to speak identity into our lives? That he wants you and I to know that you know who we are? You are his son. You are his daughter. You know, scriptures tell us, you think, no, 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 that's Jesus. You only want to say that's Jesus. You know what the scriptures tell us is that to all who received Jesus, to all who believed in his name, God gave them the right to become children of God. We're welcomed into the family. He's our heavenly father, and this is how he speaks. You know, one of the most profound things that we need in life is a sense of identity and to have a sense of identity that we can actually live from. Do you know, I, I think in our, our modern world, we kind of, see perhaps more than ever this kind of need for identity. We're, we're kind of confronted with it at, at every turn. You know, anything that you want to do online or sign up for or do, you always get, you got to create a profile. You got to, you know, choose a name for yourself. You got to put up a picture of yourself and say, this is who I am. You got to, you know, do all these things. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not kind of brilliant at social media. I don't use it a ton. I don't think it's like terrible or anything. It's got its pros. It's got its cons, but I'm just not, uh, I just don't always use it a lot. So, you know, whenever you set up an account, I'm just, never like end up filling out all the stuff you're supposed to fill out. You know, you got like a, a sign for Facebook and it wants all this stuff. Like, who are you? Here's all the things about you. I just never filled out. I remember one time, you know, Facebook is like, they, they get onto this or something. So they keep asking you like, tell us about who you are. I opened it up one day and, uh, you know, and, and on, on the home screen of it, it said, you know, tell us uh, more about who you are. And it, and it said, and it, so then it's like they know you're never actually going to fill our stuff out. So we've worked some stuff out and we're going to give you multiple choice. And, and so I get this screen. Tell us more about who you are. And it says, where are you from? And then it listed uh, different places I could select. It said, are you from Akron, Ohio? That's where I was born. Uh, are you from Talmadge, Ohio? That's the suburb I lived in. Are you from New York? Are you from Indiana? That's where I went to university. Are you from New York? That's where I went to seminary. Are you from Perth, Australia? I'm like, Facebook, it's like 8 a.m. This is way too deep for me. Where am I from? I, I just had like this whole identity crap. I don't know. Where am I from? I don't know. Stop it. Close. You know, just I'm trying to, you know, it's like, but we, we constantly, you know, have to, we, who, who are you? Every one of us in our life, who are you? What, what defines who you are? What these words from the Father are here to, to say to us is what should define who you are at your core is to be known as a child of God. It says to Jesus, you are my son. That is what will define who you are. And he would say to you and to me, you are my son. You are my daughter. You know why this is so profound? Because if we actually allow God to give us our identity, we no longer have to go through this life trying to create an identity. We no longer have to go through this life trying to figure out and then express to the world, look, this is who I am. We actually have a core, a foundation that we can live from. Every one of us is unique, but... At the core of who we are is that we are a child of God. And when we can actually know that, not just, yeah, I read it in a book and I saw it in the script, but when you know that and you know the voice of your father saying, this is who you are, you have an identity you can live from in this world. And here's the power of living from an identity is you don't actually have to think about what you should do or shouldn't do. When you just know who you are, you live out of it naturally. 
when I was a kid, I loved to play baseball. It was my favorite sport kind of growing up, played Little League and things like that. And I had one particular coach. He was a great coach, played for him for a couple years. His name was Paul Brownlee. And he was kind of well-known because he was one of the only athletes from our high school, you know, that I went to that became a professional baseball player. He got drafted. He played in the minor league. Incredible athlete. And he was my coach, and he was a great coach, and I always played incredibly well for him the couple years that I did. And one part of that was because he knew baseball. He taught you stuff. He's a great coach, as good as you could hope for. But there was another side of it that one of the things that I remembered far more than any Anything he taught us was what he used to call me. He had this nickname for me. And whenever he would say my name, he never called me Dean. He always called me Dean the Dream. So anytime he said my name, he'd just say, Dean the Dream. Dean the Dream. That was all. If I ever heard his voice, it was Dean the Dream. Now, I was just a kid. I think it was actually a, a name of maybe some, someone else that was like a famous nickname. But I just assume, I'm a kid, I'm like, I don't know better. He called me Dean the Dream. I believe I am Dean the Dream, you know, as far as I knew. I was like, this guy went home one night, started trying to dream up. What would be the best baseball player I can imagine? Dean, Dean the Dream. You know, like that's, that's just kind of, I just accepted it. I just took it. That's who I am. Now, the amazing thing was when I played for him, that's how I felt. I felt like I'm, you know, I'm good. I've got talent. I, you know, it was just, that's who I am. Now, I remember I was done playing for him. It was a couple years later, and I happened to be at a tryout, trying out for another team. And, you know, it's kind of you go in, you got one chance to kind of prove that you're good. And I remember going into this tryout, and I, I really wanted to do well. And I just, you know, just stunk the joint up. It was just terrible. You know, just horrible. Like, you know, did you ever play baseball before? What, you know, just... And you're a kid, and you're just dejected. And I can remember walking out of it, out of this gymnasium. It's like the only part of the day. I just remember walking out and feeling so dejected as you are as a kid when you just feel like you epically failed. And I was walking down a hallway, and I'm by myself. And my, you know, I'm just moping along, not even probably realizing it. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice, Dean the Dream. I turn around, and there's the coach. He says, get your chin up. I got my chin up, and I walked out, and I made a professional baseball team. <laughs> But I retired early to be a pastor, so um, you're welcome. So, no, I'm just kidding. All that's fake after the chin-up part. But that moment, can I tell you something? When you're a kid, those things, they like echo in your mind for a long time. Because I, I really don't remember almost anything else about it, but I remember that in a moment when I just felt like I have absolutely blown it, I'm, you, I've failed all these things, someone spoke to me and said, no, you, that's not, you're Dean the Dream. You get your chin up. You don't, you don't walk like that. Can I tell you something? Uh, if you're going to walk with Jesus for any amount of time, you will have days you stink the joint up. You'll have moments in life. You know what? You try to build your identity and your work life. You'll have days when you just think, I am. I just did. I just not how I hoped that was going to go. Blew it. Dropped the ball on that one. Messed it up. All of us will go through life on that. So if our identity is built on anything else, it's always going to be fragile. But when we can know that the creator of the universe just says, you are my son, you are my daughter, then you've got an identity that no matter what happens, you hold your head up. We sang that song. You lift my head up. You remind me who I am. That's what God the Father, that's who he is. And that's what he actually wants to do in your life. Whatever else you've conjured up of who he is or put together, uh, kind of assembled of this is what a father's like, and then you think this must be what God. No, God is a God who wants to say, you are mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. That's who you are. He's an identity giver. Not only an identity giver, he's a security giver. 
Second thing he says, he says, you are my son. And then the second thing he says, whom I love. Not only are you my son, I love you unconditionally. We're getting to hear this relate, the, the, how the heavenly father is speaking to Jesus the son, eternal God, forever in relationship with one another. How does the father speak to the son? He says, who I love and love to express my love to. You know what's so amazing about this you, when you realize that your heavenly father is a security giver. You know what he wants to speak into your life? We can have all these ideas. What might God, if God was going to speak to me, would he want to give me direction? Would he want to tell me everything I'm doing wrong? You know what he wants to tell you? You know what he wants to speak to you? He wants to say, I love you. You are the one who I love. And that's not conditional on what you do or how you did it or anything else. It's just God is love and he expresses that love and longs to express that love to us. Do you ever just sit and allow the Father to actually speak security and love into your life? Do you ever think that that's what your time of prayer could be? And sometimes we can come to God with our whole list of needs or problems or God, I bet you'd want to fix this or fix that in me. You know, in the Heavenly Father, he speaks twice in the Holy New Testament. What's he want to say? You're my son, whom I love. Maybe that's exactly what he just wants to speak into your life. Now we can all say, I know that God loves me. I mean, I've sang songs. I, I, I've, I've heard that. I can check the right. There's such a difference between believing something and knowing something. And what I believe for every one of us, that one of the things we need most in this life is to actually know the voice of our Heavenly Father that would give security to us to just know we are loved no matter what. We're, we're made to be loved. And so if we do not find that sense of security somewhere, we will always look to fill it. We'll always try and meet it. One of the other uh, sayings, I've seen this saying online. I've seen it attributed to, you know, a, a lot of people. But has anybody heard this saying? Um, that, and this is kind of a comment on, on kind of modern life. That we tend to buy things we don't need uh, to impress people we don't like, uh, oftentimes with money we don't have. I think it maybe even puts together, you know, we, we often buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Has anybody ever heard that saying? I've seen it attributed variously to Will Smith, uh, to Dave Ramsey, uh, and to, you know, uh, just about anyone else that you can put a photograph behind it. So I don't know who said it, but I do know this. It kind of reveals something pretty common, and that's this, that we tend to look for our value, our security in all kinds of ways in this world, sometimes by what we buy, what we put on, what we, like that life is so often, it's a search for security. Am I valuable? Am I worthy of love? Will people like me? But the more we chase it, the less we can ever find it. It's endless because the only place we can find true security is in the unconditional love of our perfect, loving, heavenly Father. Everything else will let us down. But, but for many of us, I mean, you might be here and you've never even thought about the idea of God as your father. Are you new to faith? God, all, is this true? There is nothing greater that can happen than to begin to know how much your heavenly father loves you. And for those of us who journey with him a long time, we, we can believe these things. But have we learned to know these things? To recognize his voice? To recognize what he's doing in our lives? Security giver. And the third thing we see about who our Heavenly Father is, just in this short little statement, is that he's also an affirmation giver. 
He says, this is my son. That's who you are, whom I love. You are secure in my love forever. And he says, and with him, I am well pleased. I am well pleased. It's just like this affirmation, like, man, he pleases me. He makes me happy. He brings me joy. You know, one of the great things is about this moment when the Father speaks. You know, Jesus hasn't done anything at this point. He hasn't begun his public ministry. He hasn't started to speak and teach and, and heal and go to the cross. raise All his ministry that is to take place, it hasn't happened. In other words, God's being pleased with him wasn't dependent even on what he did, what he accomplished. He just says, I am pleased with you. This is how... Eternal Father speaking to eternal son. That's how he speaks to us. You're my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. But can I tell you this? God wants to say those same words to each one of us. He wants us to know that actually he is pleased with us. That is probably one of the hardest truths to, to sometimes internalize if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, that God is pleased with you. Sometimes we're like more almost comfortable like, yeah, I know he's not pleased because I know all the ways I messed up. I know he's actually unhappy with me. Dean, how can you say he's pleased with me? You don't know all the things that don't. God is not pleased with the ways we, we fall short, but God is pleased with who he created you to be. We are not perfect, but we are perfectly loved. It's not about us. God looks at every one of us and says, I uniquely made you to be you. Our core identity is that he says, you're my son, you're my daughter, I made you. But the amazing thing is then he has uniquely made each one of us a different one of his children. And he says when he looks at our lives, I'm pleased. You know, God in creation, it talks in Genesis how he's creating and he's creating the world and plants and food and animals and all these things and people. And he steps back always and says, it was good. Do you know that when God looks at your life, it says that he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew you before the foundations. And he, and he actually says, and I am pleased with who I created you to be. Have you ever let him tell you that? Have you ever just allowed yourself to sit in that space and realize that actually this is what the Father longs to speak to you? You know, kind of pop psychology, if you will, or kind of spirit of the age sometimes would, would tell us, you know, you're, oh, you're perfect. You're perfect just the way you are. So you should just, just know that you're perfect. You know, the scriptures don't tell us that. That would be false. We all know we're broken and flawed, but the scriptures tell us despite all that, God loves you exactly as you are. And you're not your mistakes. Those are not you, you and who God created you to be. He says, I am pleased. You know, uh, there's a great reality with this is that when we actually just allow God to be our affirmation, when we allow him to be the one who tells us that, yes, you are, you know, you are okay. You are good. You are, you need, you have something. We're actually freed up from having to earn anything in this life, having to earn love, security, uh, create an identity. We're freed up from earning and we're actually able to then out of our authentic self, add something to this life. To actually say, you know what, I, I was created by him. I'm loved by him. And, and I know that he has actually made you uniquely to add something into this world. Because you're not me and I'm not you. And they're not, we're all unique. We're all different. But we are freed up to add something to this world. I, there's a, a quote by Madonna several years ago. It's from Vogue magazine. And she's talking, reflecting back on her career. And she talks about all the kind of different phases and things. And she talks about all she does. She says, my drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. 
That's the fear of, of kind of having no identity, being nobody. She says that that's where her drive comes from. It's always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I feel I'm still mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. You hear the cry of the human heart for value, for security, for identity. Who am I? She says, because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove I'm somebody. I've got to earn it. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. And I love that picture because it's a, it is a snapshot. She's just incredibly honest about the struggle most people face. And it's not always somebody who's, you know, on the cover of a magazine or, or you know, in videos doing all the things, concerts. But the simple struggle is say, am I valuable? Am I unique? Am I worthy? Am I all these things? It's just like, this is just what drives her. It's what drives most of us unless we learn to hear the voice of our father that just says, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're loved, and I'm pleased with who you are. And when we actually allow that to sink down deep, we're able to bring who we uniquely are and who God created us and actually bring it into this world without having to earn anything but simply to add something out of the uniqueness of who God's made us to be. Every one of us has something to add to this world. You know, I, I, I just, you look at this picture of how God the Father longs to speak in our lives. And I just wonder for how many of us have we learned to hear the voice of our Father? Have we learned to recognize him? That actually this is what he sounds like. This is what he, this is what he would say to me. This is the kind of father that he is. We get let in on how he speaks to Jesus. And it gives us a sense of how he longs to speak to us. Can I give you an encouragement? I think one of the greatest things that any of us can do is to learn to cultivate a sense of his voice in our lives. To cultivate a sense of his voice. Many of us, if you've been around faith for any amount of time, it's really easy to say, yes, I believe these things are true, but it's a very different thing to know them in experience. You know, we can all say, yeah, we, we know what Madonna's like. We know we've seen her or you read about her, you know, but none of us know her. And the same thing, if we're not careful, can happen with God. We read stuff on the pages, but do we actually cultivate a sense of knowing him in our lives? Because when we know him and when we hear him, when his voice speaks, his voice accomplishes things. He doesn't just say these things about us. There's something about hearing his voice that actually changes the reality in your heart. And when we experience that, that is a, that's a game changer in life. To know a core sense of identity, to know deep security, to feel a sense of the Father's affirmation changes everything about how we live. Can I encourage you to cultivate a sense of his voice? And you think, what does that look like? Dean, are you saying, like, do you hear that voice, like those words? You know, it is a journey and sometimes a challenge, if we're honest, to hear the Father's voice. There's so much other noise in our lives. There's so much other noise, words that are spoken, things that echo and ring around in our heads, ideas and things. Like I said, so often what we've experienced in an earthly father, we try to almost put on to our heavenly father. And it, but one of the great challenges is to begin to say, Heavenly Father, I want to hear your voice. To sit in the quiet 
to, to, to spend time in the depth of his word. And, and I'm not promising you're going to hear this voice that just says it just like they heard there. But I can tell you this. The more we cultivate a sense of his voice in our lives, it's like the greater and greater we're able to, to sense it, to know it, to let something I believe become something I know and have experienced has been transformational in my life. You know, maybe this week you could take just the, that simple verse. You know, the father speaking to Jesus. This is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased and say to him, father, would you help this to become a living word to me? Can I hear your voice speaking identity and love? Can I know that I am your child? Can I experience what it means? Spend, it takes time. Got to cultivate it. Got to sit with him. Got to find some quiet. Got to learn to recognize the lies for when they come and to reject those. And say, Father, help me to recognize your voice above all others. And I want to give a second challenge. I think that is one. None of us, if we've never experienced this, then, then we, we may know a lot about God, but we've not been transformed by the reality of knowing God. But when we experience that, the second challenge I have for you today is in particular for all the men in the room today and, and up in Marowa, for all the father figures out there. You know, not everybody who has kids is being a father figure and not everybody who doesn't have kids is missing a chance to be a father figure. One of the greatest things I believe that as men we can do in this world is to be a father figure to someone, someone younger. And so just as we said, we don't want to take what we've experienced, put on to God. How do we take what we see of who our heavenly father is and say, this is what it looks like to be an earthly father and father figure. And what would it mean if we were to reflect our heavenly father in this world in greater and greater capacity. To be as men so transformed by those realities and the voice of the father in our own life that we're able to speak and reflect the father's love, a sense of identity, security, affirmation, and pass that on to the people in our worlds. If you have your own kids in your family, you know, to go, you know what my job description is as a father? It's to speak identity and security and affirmation into a child. Having been transformed by my heavenly father, I pass that on to the next generation. And to know as well, you may never have your own kids, but man, incredibly powerful things happen when an older man to someone else passes on that reflection of the Heavenly Father in this world. You know, to, to have a coach say something. You know, not my dad, but a, one of those moments where an older man could speak identity and affirmation and the difference it can make in a person's life. You know, the words we speak echo in people's lives through most of their life. Are we speaking words of identity, security, and affirmation? Only happens if we get transformed by it. But man, if we have spent time with our Heavenly Father, we have a calling to then reflect his heart and his voice in this world. And every one of us has that opportunity. I want to encourage you to maybe this week to begin, if you never have before, to make one of the absolute priorities you experience and what it means to know God, to know him as your heavenly father, to learn to recognize his voice in your life. We're going to sing together in a moment. And uh, we're going to sing this song today, Good, Good Father. It's a song that, that reminds us who our Heavenly Father is, reminds us how he sees us. And my hope for you is, that, you know, even today, maybe even as we're singing, 
you may want to just begin to pray. Heavenly Father, would you help me to recognize your voice among all the others in this world? Would you help me to recognize who you are? Would you let that become transformational in who I am? Today's a great day to reach out with that prayer. Would you stand up? I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to sing. Spend some time leaning into who he is. Would you bow with me for a moment before we sing? Heavenly Father, we thank you in this moment that you have revealed yourself to us as our loving Heavenly Father. We could have never found our way to you on our own, but you reached out to us. You revealed yourself to us. You have disclosed to us who you are. And Lord, I pray that today, all around this room, there'd be people who begin to hear your voice with greater and greater clarity. They begin to experience transformation because of who you are. That their image of you and who you are would begin to reflect truth, would begin to reflect who you are. That, Lord, you do away with all our, all our false conceptions of who you are and you'd be revealing more and more to us of who you are. And we would have ears that can hear the voice of our Heavenly Father speaking words of identity, of security, of affirmation. Would you open us up? 